Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. Thanks, Margaret, for praying. Uh, thanks for coming, guys. Welcome again to RUF. It's really good to see your faces. Um, I'm hopeful that, man, I just can't wait for the time when we, like, all do a big group hug and eat lots of food together and freely just cast our spit particles in the air, not worrying about where they land. And I mean, I just can't wait for that time. But in the meantime, here we are on Zoom and uh, we're going through this series on the Apostles' Creed and RUF uh, this semester uh, where we're uh, taking this ancient creed, this uh, set of beliefs that has always belonged, has belonged to the church for uh, probably like almost 2,000 years at this point, and um, we're using it as a basis to kind of look at different Bible passages so that we might uh, grow in our faith, uh, so some of us might be able to explore a little more what uh, Christianity is all about, and, you know, sometimes, part of the reason I wanted to study the this creed this way is that uh, it's super helpful for us um, you know, like sometimes when you study something, like you you learn precise terminology about it, and it actually helps you love it more. So, like this study is a little bit technical compared to some of the other things we do, but uh, my hope is that it'll help us to love Jesus more. I have a friend who, uh, after college, got really into plants. Just like he has a plant collection, like you've never seen before, and he just like learned everything there is to know about plants. And for instance, like. The most one of the most common house plants is a spider plant, and uh, that's what normal people call it. But he calls it Chlorophytum commosum uh, by its like plant name. And if you walk around like outside with him, he'll just point out plants. He'll be like, "That plant's edible," and he'll be like, "If you rub that plant together in your hands, like it'll smell like a lemon." And and uh, you know because he loves that stuff, it feeds this knowledge quest of his. And the more he knows, the more he loves about plants. And, you know, it's my hope that uh, this study would be kind of like that. The more we kind of like hone in on like the specifics of the faith, uh, that we might grow in love for Jesus and ultimately love for one another. And so tonight, uh, we're going to be looking at this part of the creed. So, so far we've looked at, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. And tonight we're going to look at this next part that says, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And I just want to remind you guys that we're going to do some Q&A after uh, this time. So if questions come up, hold on to them. Really want to just... Uh, not going to cover everything, but uh, in the Q&A time, maybe we can uh, cover a lot more. So uh, we're going to look at this idea of the virgin birth tonight uh, through the text of Luke chapter 1, uh, the, the Christmas story, the beginning of it. So uh, we're going to look at Luke 1 verses 26 through 38 here. I'll read it for us. 
Uh, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him uh, the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Uh, Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Uh, this, it's kind of the running joke of the year 2020 and now 2021 about how big of a mess everything is right now, right? Uh, I just saw this past week Saturday Night Live and the opening sketch of Saturday Night Live this past week was this thing about just like asking the question, what still works? Like, does anything in our society still work? Uh, Politics doesn't work. The financial system doesn't work. Vaccination doesn't work. It concluded that the only thing that still works is Tom Brady. But that's not the point. Uh, The point is that uh, we live in this time where it's just this running joke that everything is a mess. And it seems that way a lot of the time, right? Like everything is a mess. Uh, Nothing seems to be working the way it's supposed to work. And what I want us to think about tonight is the fact that God likes to show up in big messes. Uh, And specifically that Jesus showed up in a big mess. Uh, Think about it. He showed up in Nazareth, which was a no-name town with like maybe a couple hundred people in it. In the middle of nowhere, kind of. Um, He showed, uh, Mary and Joseph were poor teenagers at the time. Uh, They lived in a country uh, that was under the control of the Roman Empire and life was just not particularly good in any way. And we also live in a time and place where many would say that things are not great, although we have many advantages that say Mary and Joseph didn't have. Uh, But if you were to read the news or get on social media, what you would find are all kinds of solutions, uh, things that say, like, here's what's wrong with the world and here's how we fix it. And the cycle kind of goes on and on and on where people still keep saying, like, well, no, this is what's wrong. This is how you fix it. And what I want us to see is that the Bible tells a similar story, specifically the story that there's a lot that's wrong with our world. And it tells the story of this world uh, that's spinning out of control because mankind has rebelled against the creator, uh, their maker. And this is what we call sin. Uh, But the solution that the Bible gives is so much different than anything anyone could ever come up with. The solution is the incarnation. The solution is that God would, incarnation means like taking on flesh, uh, that God would become 
a man and just fix everything himself. And where that starts is what what we're going to look at tonight, which is the virgin birth, which is technically the virgin conception. Uh, That's kind of the big deal in this passage. Um, The virgin birth or conception is the answer to how God could begin to fix the mess. Uh, He had to show up in the mess, but he had to also not be part of the mess. And so that's what we're going to look at. And we're actually going to do that backwards. So the first we're going to look at how Jesus is actually not part of the mess in this virgin birth account. Um, We talked last week about who Jesus was. Uh, He's always been the second person of the Trinity. And we talked about how God is three in one and how Jesus, the son, he's the eternal son of God. Uh, He was not created. He is, in fact, the creator. Uh, He's... If we saw him as he is, we would probably just collapse from his glory. And he's the one who comes to fix the problem of sin. And to do that, though, to fix it, he can't actually be a sinner like us. He can't inherit inherit the rebellion from God that from his parents like we do. Uh, Jesus has to truly show up as a man, but still be God. And the way it can work is if he's conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Uh, As the creed says, uh, he's human, uh, but not conceived in the normal way. Uh, The virgin birth is a miracle from God that allows God to come and truly save us. Uh, Truly come and truly save us. And the point of the virgin birth isn't that sex is bad. In fact, the Bible says quite the opposite. uh, That sex within the context of marriage is very good. Uh, The point is that Jesus had to be conceived miraculously in the womb of the virgin so that he didn't inherit the sin nature from his parents. Uh, This fundamental problem that all of our hearts have uh, that makes us think God is a liar, uh, that makes us run from him and therefore be guilty in his sight. Uh, Jesus can't save us if this is the case, and so he's born of a virgin. And I want to just stop there for a minute and acknowledge that that's not like something that's very easy to swallow for many people. Uh, You might be thinking, you know what, like the Bible's great, but all the miracles and stuff, like give me a break, right? Um, One way I've heard it put is a lot of people say like, you know, that's great, but I believe in science, uh, so there can't be miracles And uh, that idea, you know, I believe in science too. And there's plenty of great scientists who are Christians uh, that do believe in the virgin birth. Uh, And there's a lot of problems. You know, if you say I believe in science and you mean that like only things that science can prove I believe in, uh, there's a lot of problems with that. uh, Because miracles actually are compatible with science uh, because science cannot disprove them. Uh, Science doesn't have a mechanism to disprove uh, that miracles could happen. Um, And it actually starts, science starts with the premise as a worldview that only a natural cause, only natural causes can exist. So for instance, you know, like 
If I sneeze, it's because some particles got into my nostril to cause me to sneeze. And something else caused that to happen. And only these natural causes can exist. There can't be any other explanation for that, uh, which is generally pretty right on, right? Uh, but uh, there's actually no way to prove that only natural causes exist. Like you can't run a scientific experiment to prove that. Um, there's no way, you know, like you can't test whether or not that is a true statement. So science starts out with a faith assumption, actually. Just this faith assumption that only natural causes exist. Uh, and there's actually no way to account for the first cause either. So if you go back to cause, the cause of this and the cause of that and the cause of that, uh, it has no way to discern what a first cause could possibly be. And even a bigger deal than all those things is the fact that it's just not a way that you can functionally live. Uh, like you can't live with the notion that, you know, science, there's only science. That means I'm only a bag of cells. That means my life has no purpose, but to per maybe perpetuate life or something like that. And anyway, the sun's going to burn out someday and we'll all be gone and no one will remember us anyway. Like uh, you can say you believe that, but it's really hard to live like that. Uh, and so reasonable people can believe in miracles and it's actually less reasonable from a scientific uh, perspective to insist that miracles cannot happen. Okay. Um, it's, it's realistic to uh, believe in mir that miracles can happen. Uh, we can talk more about that later, but uh, the virgin birth tells us uh, that Jesus is new. He's from the outside. Uh, he's not part of this stream of guilt that we come into the world as part of. Uh, he's something uh, totally different. And this should give us a lot of humility, I think. Because, you know, what it's saying is that, like, we were never going to figure it out. Uh, we were never going to save ourselves. Uh, it's not like his, if history went on long enough, we would have figured out as humans how to make life better. It's not like any of us were going to turn to God on our own and stop sinning on our own. It actually took God becoming man, uh, being conceived in the womb of a virgin, so that we might have any hope at all. And so the virgin birth invites you to let go of pride and stop trying to get through life on your own. Uh, because you weren't meant to get through it on your own. Uh, so Jesus, is n he's not part of the mess. And that is good news. But the other part of the good news is that he truly does show up in the mess. Uh, the wonder of the virgin birth is that it allows the son of the eternal son of God to truly become human. Uh, not just pretend human. Jesus didn't just seem to be human and kind of look human. He actually was uh, human uh, in every way. Uh, Jesus, this eternal son of God, the creator of the world, becomes a real man. And that means he became a fetus first. And that means he became then a slimy baby. I don't know if any of you guys have been to a birth before. I've now been to two, two births of my kids. And I can't tell you what it's like to see that. 
and know that the eternal God of the universe, like that was his entrance. It's unbelievable. Um, you know, there's a reason like the doctor shows up wearing like head to toe covering of everything uh, to deliver the baby. And uh, that's how God shows up. That's how Jesus shows up. And, uh, you know, he, he's placed in a feeding trough when he's born. Uh, he's born poor. He's born at a bad time in history. Uh, one scholar says this. He says, Christianity is the only major religion to have as its central event the humiliation of its God. It's amazing. I love that. Uh, why does he do it? Uh, he does it so that he can come close and save us because he loves us. As God, like he's not vulnerable in the slightest, but by becoming man, he actually makes himself vulnerable like we are so he can bring us to God. Uh, Sophie, I have a picture uh, that I wanted to share with you guys. I read this news story recently. Uh, It's just amazing. Um, It's the story of, uh, this is a dad and his son and his son, as you can see, is born with this gigantic birthmark on his torso. And the dad noticed that uh, as the son got older, he started to kind of like not want to take his shirt off at the pool and stuff because he was embarrassed of his birthmark. And the dad did something amazing, which is that in love for his son, he got the exact same birthmark tattooed on himself and... Uh, in a procedure, it took over 30 hours of tattooing in some of the most like painful places uh, to get a tattoo. And, you know, what a display of love for his son, right? He doesn't want his son to live alone in shame. Uh, what I want you to see is that Jesus spent his whole life on earth doing that for us. Uh, everything he did was about that, Uh, You know, we run from God because we're guilty and we feel shame about our guilt. Uh, And then we run, you know, running from God just makes it worse. We feel more shame. How could I come back to this God that I've been running from my whole life? Uh, We hide from God. We try to cover uh, so he won't see. And it doesn't work. Uh, Jesus takes on our shame and he heals us by dying as our substitute. Uh, It starts with him taking on the shame of being poor and being born to a teenager in a barn. Uh, It ends with him getting the nail holes in his hands and feet that we were supposed to get. So because Jesus has taken on all our shame, uh, we can come to God unashamed. Uh, Because Jesus has taken on my guilt and shame, I'm not the me I once was before. I'm a new me. Through Jesus, I can come into the presence of God unashamed. I can live without shame among my friends and acquaintances. I can fail and it cannot define me. All of life can be different. Uh, Think about how free you could be if your failures didn't define you. Uh, If you could freely admit your failures knowing that they're not who you are and they won't be held against you. Uh, But that's not the only great part of Jesus becoming man. Uh, He becomes man as our substitute and it's amazing. But the other great part is that he also really knows what it's like to be us in this broken world. 
Uh, it means, in other words, that we're never alone. I wonder if you guys have felt alone in college or alone this semester. Um, Jesus knows how frustrating things can be. Uh, Jesus has been frustrated. Uh, Jesus really knows how sad things can be. Like Jesus has been overwhelmingly sad. Uh, Jesus really knows how much things hurt. Uh, Jesus has been unfathomably hurt. And remember, he endured all that stuff as a human. He didn't get to like numb himself so he didn't feel pain or like not have real human emotions or any of that. Uh, He felt it all as we feel it. And so he knows what it's like. And so we can go to him in the midst of frustration and sadness and heartache and pain, not to mention shame and guilt, and not be turned away. Uh, There was a 10 or 11 years ago, there was this art exhibit in the Museum of Modern Art in New York City, uh, MoMA, and uh, it was a performance art exhibit. And so the artist, her name was Marina Abramovic. Uh, The whole exhibit was that she sat uh, for 30 days in silence in a chair. And there was another chair across from her. And so if you went to the museum, you could sit across from the artist. And the the exhibit was called The Artist is Present. And uh, throughout the month, visitors to the museum would just sit across from her and stare at her. And she would stare back. Uh, One person visited her 21 times in those 30 days. And generally people would smile at her and they would smile. And uh, many people, though, just wept. They just wept as they sat across from this woman looking at them. Uh, Why did they do that? Because everyone wants someone to see them. Everyone wants someone to look at them, to just behold them and not look away, but to have eyes of acceptance. Because we all know, like, if you really see me, you're going to look away. You'll laugh, you'll ridicule, you'll do something. Uh, You won't just see me and hold my gaze. Uh, The incarnation, the virgin birth, uh, tells us that Jesus won't laugh. He definitely won't ridicule you. Uh, Jesus has only knowing compassion for what your life is like. And he really wants you. So run to him. Run to him now. Run to him always. Uh, He is literally the only hope uh, that you have. And he's a wonderful hope. He will change your life if you run to him. Uh, Let's close in praying that we would be a community that runs to him. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we... Uh, desperately need to run to Jesus and know this love, uh, the love that would go from eternal son of God, creator of the heavens and earth, to uh, born of a virgin in a barn, uh, to save us, to pursue us in love, uh, to take on our shame, uh, to know uh, what it feels like to be us and to love us in it. Help us to know it more. Uh, guide us and set us free from shame and guilt. Uh, Help us to be 
live lives that are free and joyful and hopeful uh, no matter what we face, no matter the darkness that's in our lives. Uh, set us free, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.